Welcome, party people. Welcome to Cyber Soul Podcast with me, Jamie Murphy. Really looking forward to today. Uh, we've got fantastic guest, Jane Hancock. Jane, um, I'm not saying there's a hidden gem, but rarely does things like this. In fact, I've not really seen her post on social media. Um, she occasionally pops up with some family bits on Facebook, but for me, it's a real treat and honour to have a conversation with her today. I was lucky enough to work with her early in my career. She's a hugely inspirational salesperson, woman, mother, um, and just delighted to be able to talk to her. And I think we'll all gain a little bit of something from Jane, who's had a wonderful career. Yeah, I, I know you're nervous, so, Jane. I am. This is uh, quite out of my comfort zone, but uh, thanks for having me and thanks for the build-up. Oh, it's a big really, drum roll, really isn't it? Really appreciate that. Big drum roll, no so, problem. Th thank you so much. So, yeah, for those that don't know me, and great to see you, Jamie. Um, I'm Jane Hancock, um, mother of two amazing children. I've been married for over ten years to a great husband, and got a little border terrier, Ted, my third child that I never had. Um, and as you mentioned, I've been in the industry for a little while now. So, yeah, without revealing my age, uh, definitely your over, age. over 20 years. And um, I suppose I joined the industry when it, it was just forming, really. So it was nice. kind of, yeah, it was, uh, I was basically in an industry that just didn't exist. No, Nobody that, really that, wanted that, to buy. That was, a, that was a fun bit. That was a fun bit. But I, I'm, and we'll come back to that. But yeah. I'm really interested to hear from you about about you, about where, where did it start for you? How did it all begin? So I, I suppose it, it began by accident, really. Um, so I didn't take a conventional route into my career, really. I, um, I suppose I did my A-levels. Where did you do that, Jane? Where, whereabouts were you based? I, I've always lived, as you can probably tell from my dulcet tones, in the, uh, the northwest in uh, Cheshire, uh, fairly close to, to Manchester. Um, I originally kind of went to school around there. Um, I grew up with my, my mum and my gran uh, for the first kind of 11 years of my life. Um, and then my stepfather kind of joined the family and I suppose showed me more of what corporate life could could be. He worked at what was ICL at the time and I uh, can remember having my summer jobs at ICL in those early years which gave me some exposure there so I kind of went on after school to do my A-levels and I decided actually I'd like to do a little bit of travelling before I potentially go to university mm. although I think I knew early early on that I didn't want to follow the academic route. What did you like at school? What, was the, what, what, what were you passionate about? I think I was really passionate about English, uh, communication studies, French, and, and really it was more around the teachers than, than it was around the subjects. It was anybody who the could people. instill that passion and energy and, you know, had that real love for their subject. That's what I really felt. Those are um, lessons that, you know, I agree. I mean, those are lessons that I remember yeah. going into and buzzing about. Actually, it wasn't, you're right, it wasn't around necessarily... 
I mean, I, I was crap at German, but my German teacher was fun, was great, and I'd look forward to that, and I'd probably try a bit harder. Yeah, it, exactly. It yeah. really kind of makes you want to actually put the effort in, really. And I think that has flowed through my career, really. You know, the, the owners and the managers that have that passion, you really want to do a good job for them as well. So... So yeah, I did a little bit of travelling, got some fortunate to have some relatives abroad. So Where did you go? Went to see uh, South Africa and did all the safari things, uh, which was fun, um, around the Kruger National Park and across to Cape Town and saw some of uh, life out there, which was uh, different and interesting. And, uh, you know, I recommend that to anybody, you know, whether it's straight after school or throughout the career to take that little break and see other cultures and um, so yeah so when I came back I got a summer contract job in a recruitment company oh, so uh, that's, where it all started. that's where it all started so I think that that for me gave me that initial passion for for selling and um, and actually for earning as well you know having that independence um, and what should have been a three-month contract position before I either took a uni position or move on. They offered me my first job as a junior salesperson. So, yeah, so that's where it all began. And, uh, yeah, I recommend recruitment to anybody out there. It certainly gives you, I suppose, that resilience and, you know, yeah. that kind of that cadence, really, that you need. And you, you, you have to make that your own. You're as successful as the own in terms of your, the output is what you put in and that there's a direct correlation to your results for the effort that you put in isn't there I yeah guess. And yeah definitely it's a it's a very hard industry really it's um and particularly in contract because one you've got to find those opportunities but two you've also got to secure the candidate to accept your position and it's a very fast-paced environment yeah. really and so you've got to be you know, it's hard work. You've got to be resilient because there's a lot of rejection mm -hmm. um, in that world. But uh, it's brilliant ground. It's a great industry to, to you know, yeah. as a point of reference. It's a good industry, you think, to sort of, you know, get some of the basics in place around selling and, yeah. uh, and maybe starting a career there. Yeah, definitely. So that happened for four, four or so years. Um, I then... Um, start, I decided it was time to kind of move to the next sales position, really. And I spotted a small ad, insignificant kind of ad. Uh, was it in a newspaper? I think it might have been at the time. I, lo I love an ad yeah, in the newspaper. I think it, I I've think it was. This is, this is going back nearly 20 years. For a company called eSoft. And I went to see this company in Cheshire, uh, in this little office. And this company was no more than... 10 at most, uh, but I met uh, two really interesting people called Tony Bolland and Charles Charland, who um, were, well, they are now serial entrepreneurs. They've, you know, they've formed and sold many companies now. Um, and they kind of formed eSoft, which originally was a Citrix company, mm -hmm. but then started to deliver their Citrix Thin Client technology across secure VPNs. Right. And they brought Checkpoint into the European market. Yeah. So that's kind of how their security business started and then suddenly exploded, just absolutely exploded. Phenomenal time. And, and, and actually, when I look back, I was probably more in the 
internet side necessarily sounds like you you're in the security side. What was it like being at the foundation of a new industry? It was, um, I'd say it was exciting. It was also very challenging because you're having to convince particularly senior execs that they need funding for something that frankly they didn't think they had a problem with. Mm. You know, they, they said, we, we don't have any security issues. So it's trying to convince them that you don't have any security issues that you know about, you know, and actually, you know, convincing them and showing them technology that would show that actually they did have a problem. They just weren't aware they had an issue. Yeah. So this is in the day where we were catching employees at work, accessing, you know, frankly, material they shouldn't be accessing. And um, like, obviously it's a lot more savvy now that you're yeah. the workplace, but in those days it was, it was very well, early well, Classic days. physical type of behaviours that were happening. Yeah. Uh, interesting link between the objection handling that you probably face. Do you feel that, that the, rec the recruitment aspect of the... Because you, I remember that you, you're having to almost we call it fud or you know fear, uncertainty, and doubt, which is not always a great way to to sell. But you have to sort of reveal the challenge if they don't know what it is. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it was more about the challenges and the potential mm -hmm. breaches, and obviously things like precarious liability that you know owners are accountable if a company is breached and mm. you know customer data, but it. It was more around that sort of sell rather than today. It's more about, you know, not only that side, but also about, you know, the business side can be accelerated by using security in the right way, whether it be a new mobile app for banking, you know, like I remember the text by banking when it was first launched and we Amazing. thought, we, yeah. brilliant, you know, and paying checkbooks into different bank accounts and the security around mm. that, you know, was that's the more interesting side for me. I love the business aspects too security because it is a very technical world really but i love the the business benefits that, that yeah. it brings really so for for sure and i think the the yeah that's like a dream it would have been a dream back then to have the the business business backing behind it that it, there is there today yeah um for, for sure definitely but yeah that whole growth for esoft and they became vistorm and sold eventually to HP and they are now part of the DXC business so they've seen a great growth to you know what is quite a big part of the DXC business now so that was a really a journey isn't it that, that is business. a journey and uh, that was a I look back with huge fondness at that part of my career and, and you know knowing you as well as I do you know you, you incredibly humble incredibly modest but incredibly competitive <laughs> and, it, it, and and I love that trait. It's just you know because getting that balance right is yeah. just either something you can be authentic about and do, and you're a hundred percent authentic. Um, w were those traits there in the East Off by Storm days? Did you come in going right? I want to I want to be I want to be the best I can possibly be, but also you want to lead. How? Well, what was your mentality back then? Yeah, I think I was really lucky to have really good mentors in that early stage, especially with the likes of Tony Bolland, who really showed me the way, you know, and honed some of those skills that I'd learned mm, in recruitment. The rawness, yeah. Uh, you know, that rawness and putting that into a more professional, you know, form, really. And I think that competitiveness and that inner desire to do well has always been there. Mm -hmm. um, but it certainly grew over time 
as well. You know, the more confident I got in my own abilities, mm -hmm. the more I wanted to be successful. Although, as you know, I'm quite introverted as a person. So Most I, I kind of, uh, which, which is another thing, you know, I suppose for, for people out there who, who are more introverted, you know, my, my advice is that you don't need to be the loudest in the room mm. to be a salesperson. You know, I'm, I'm quite, as you know, quite mm. analytical and detailed behind the scenes and yeah. kind of... Yeah, don't show it, but you know it's all going on. Yeah, so I'm quite different in, you know, I know people, companies run personality profiling and I'm quite a different hire, I suppose, in that sense, but... It's funny because I remember doing something at Integralis, knowing you, you probably found an excuse uh, found, uh, and, and, and weren't there. Because you were famous, <laughs> you were famous for that, Jane. That's one thing. Sorry, you know. Um, but we did like a personality trait assessment. Yeah. And I remember being like, for some insecure reason, for my part, being almost desperate to be the high flyer, and like wanting to be that person that you said that absolute extrovert. Extrovert. And I think the assessment sort of came up that I'm actually they they called it an artist. And yeah. it is somebody who's more creative and sits back a little bit, lets the loud people talk, and then that's unbelievable saying that now. But uh, I definitely feel more comfortable in that vein. And as I've got older, running my own businesses, I'm quite happy to. Yes, you know, as, as people, oh, you're. I'm an extrovert. Well, I'm confident, but yeah. I. But it's finding that finding that yeah. balance yeah and you've let music be your one of your creative outlets as well haven't you I it's think, very important uh, to me jane you talked uh, really passionately about um your early cyber career at esaf firestorm uh, but i'm interested to know a little bit more around your passions that you had at, at that time uh, you know uh, yeah. tell me a little bit more and um, i suppose they've not really changed a lot over over time really you know I love spending time with my family and friends and obviously I've got my own family now so they're at the heart and centre of that but I love being outdoors you know that's kind of what makes me tick you know whether it be walking on the beach in the hills whether it be snowboarding or now skiing Jamie down Very the mountain impressive. with uh, with the kids kind of uh, waiting for me now kicking your butt yeah exactly exactly but uh, yeah anything outdoors and Holidays are really important to me because we all work hard, but I think it's so important to have that family time, that quality family time as well. And for me, you know, the holidays are crucial, really. I'm not one who has any holidays left at the end of the year. Talked about Eastsoft and Vicestorm. How did you use that as a platform to, to move forward in your life? And wh where did you go next? So I, where I went next was I went travelling again. I, I was at a successful point in my career, but I thought before I settled down, had the family, I'd like to do another travel travelling stint. So I travelled for 14 months around the globe, and so various continents, a uh, few highlights. I am I so jealous of that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. That's brilliant. Really? And what was yeah. your favourite continent on the travels and why? There's a few little highlights. South America was really interesting, culturally very very different, yeah. very diverse. Obviously, you've got Am the Amazon, you've got Peru with the Inca Trail, um, but also there's a couple more highlights that um, I also climbed Kilimanjaro in Africa, <laughs> and that was quite an emotional moment. Wow, that's to, to amazing. Do. Um, a real challenge? Yeah, definitely. That last 
day, you know, with the extra height is quite... People obviously um, can deal with altitude at diff in different ways, but it was quite physically a challenge. That's incredible. You know? And I'm not the fittest of... I've never been the fittest of people, so... Wow, that <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind a of, testament to you for and, getting uh, that done. And at the time, it still had the snow and the ice caps, which unfortunately is retreating every year, so I was fortunate enough to, to see some of that. So... So that was my next uh, next move, um, and then all guns blazing for the for the next corporate journey. Yeah, so talk me it, a little bit through around uh, around and what what happened, which uh, kind of led me to uh, another fairly small company called Integralis, which is where you and I yeah know each other from. So yeah, gosh, and I spent fourteen years with Integralis, um, and towards the end they got acquired by. NTT emerged with dimension data, but uh, yeah, fourteen years is a is a long time. It is a long time, and you without you must have enjoyed at least some of it. <laughs> yeah. um, what 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 for you in in terms of that business? What worked for you? Because I mean, you had a, you talked really fondly four years at Esof Vicestorm, but that's that was four years. What what kept you for those fourteen years, and what were the top three things you think that? That work for you? Yeah, I think I think it's seen Integralis go, go grow through, sorry, go through such a phenomenal growth in that time. You know, and we we almost formed their business. Mm. You know, there was very little service maturity when we joined. We were almost building that as we went along, um, but we managed to secure some really big brands and seen Incredible. You know, some of those smaller wins to large banks and large service providers come on board. So seeing that journey was was actually really nice to be part of that. And um, I suppose you and I were a key part of that yeah. journey. Um, so it was, it was really It was an see. interesting place. And because, you know, I met, you know, so many people in that business. Um, I met people prior to that. But the when I look back... The, the level of quality that went through that business, that was at that business, was, was incredible. And I think what you described there is the ability to be entrepreneurial and creative. That yeah. was to kept me there for nine years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what you described there fits the bill fits the bill perfectly. Yeah, I, mean, I think they gave us lots of support. As you say, they gave us the freedom to... To develop and grow our business but they were also very supportive you know and we you know brought in extra staff when we needed it and you know I, th I think and we formed formed quite a successful managed service business and that was you know unlike today where you've got service providers you've got the IBMs etc all joining the cyber world we were kind of creating that market and there wasn't really that level of competition at the time you know it was you know, and to have a man quite a successful managed service business in that time was quite unique, really. Jane, great, great to talk about the, you know, Integralis and NTT period. Where, where are you at at the moment? And bring us up to speed. So I've just spent four years working for Cisco. So it's my first vendor gig, as it were, um, after spending, you know, 18 years within kind of cyber integration and Managed services, so it's been it's been an interesting journey, quite a different one. I've never really been on the vendor side before, uh, but Cisco is a great company, uh, great culture led by Chuck, who's got a great management team. 
So one of the reasons I was attracted to Cisco was around their flexibility, very supportive of working parents, and, and you know, there is a really good positive culture over there. And, and the only reason that I'm moving roles um, is to go back to my systems integration managed service background. So recently joined Computer Centre, so early days, really feel like I've come home, so oh, yeah. I, 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 and I'm, I've spoken before, I've posted before, you know, I've got strong feeling for Computer Centre. I think they've got a great culture, uh, a modern version of yeah. the of the culture. I think they've, you know, modernised with where they're at. Yeah, there's a great bunch of people over there. Big yeah. shout out to that. Yeah, all to, all to my friends over there. Yeah, um, definitely. So. I'm sure you'll Looking smash forward it out to this park. journey. Yeah, really. Make, make some money, it. have some fun, do some deals, and meet some great people. That's yeah, what it's, it's all about. Definitely. It, it, the interesting bit, and, and it is a a great a great story and a great journey that you, you you know you've been on. One of the things that I was massively apparent and was you know the the lack of the females in the industry, which you would have been even more yeah. obviously um, aware of. I'm blessed. I've worked with actually as 25 years of tons of great women. But in that sort of earlier, my earlier sales career, there was you know, certainly less around. I'd be interested to hear your observation around the the journey for you from a, a personal perspective, being being a woman and and also externally looking into that um, that question as well yeah so it's yeah it's been it's definitely been a journey you know 20 plus years ago there was very few women in the industry both at a sales level and a technical level and um, very few <laughs> you know could count on one hand I remember you and Caroline you know yeah at the time. absolutely yeah and we were two of the few um, at the time and uh, you know it Biases definitely existed quite strongly then, I would say. Um, not, not always, you know, there's definitely exceptions to that. Um, and I think those biases have, have changed or certainly got less and less, but they're still around, definitely. Did it stop you, you know, achieving what you wanted to do back then when things were maybe that bias was strong? No. I, no, I thought I think, you might say that. I think it's just learning to navigate, you know, the people with the bias and, and either hear them with the right individual where they are going to I suppose work with that person you know it's being that conductor and putting the right people with you know the right people you're going to get the right response from or you know you you kind of learn to do business in other areas you know so in some cases the bias was too strong um, but I think now you know there's definitely people who are a lot more open uh, I think people are a lot more aware as well around gender and gender equality. So sometimes mm. they may hide that bias yeah. a little more. Does that turn the dial up the wrong way in some regard where you can put things up that actually might actually hide the true feeling, you know? Yeah, and I think I'm a good one in terms of instinct. Yeah. You know, I, I can sense... You could smell yeah, the old can, BS of yeah. mile away. Yeah, yeah, I can kind of, you know, sense... That that's still there you know J jane franklin's written a great book on uh, gender bias the insecurity it's well worth any females coming into this industry to take a read it's she's a great intelligent woman and writes about this mm -hmm. in in detail and i found that quite helpful okay because i could I relate point of reference uh, you know a lot to 
the experiences that she'd had and I've, I've seen exactly the same ones in my working life um, but it's you know it all comes down to education doesn't it and starting early you know even down in schools you know the teacher biases are still there you know mm. putting their own stereotypical views onto you know young children in school so it's it's really changing that mindset I think we call it the grassroots level if it was football yeah. because you've got to do the coaching early in that regard so yeah definitely and also getting across that security isn't this dark kind of hooded, you know, hacker kind of community, although those personalities exist. They do you know, exist it's, it's, still. It comes in yeah. so many different forms, you know, from I'm not technical at all, you know, and I've got no desire to be. I'm interested in mm. how this is going to improve somebody's business and, you know, protect our information and financial records. But, um you know, it comes in all forms, you know, from risk to sales to technical to customer success. So it's, you know, I want this to be an attractive industry for females to join mm -hmm. and not to think, oh, this is a very dark technical world because, you know, that's just one aspect. So I think just getting that education out there as well and, yeah, you know, having more kind of apprenticeship programs for not just females, but for young. Yeah, I think actually seeing sales as a business career rather than the 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 technical as you say with it or the, the the technical the short-termism that is viewed around sales generally yeah um and actually having an authentic business conversation relationship is probably well most customers i find um or, or people in general want to be treated like people with respect yeah with courtesy um, and honesty, and then with that comes trust. And yeah. rather than, I think maybe trying to do the short-termism sell of our yeah. thing will fix your problem, or it's very boring. Well, you've it? well you've raised the most important point of our industry. Really, the whole industry is built on trust. You know, it's mm. one of the few industries that it's very rare you get an overnight huge successful deal. It's generally built on small engagements that you build that trust and you know they start to suddenly want to you know outsource all their security to you they don't tend to do that to somebody they've never met before that tends to be you've had some trusted projects you've delivered them well and you know they've learned to trust that even when things go wrong and technology invariably goes wrong you know we've all been in those you know 2 a.m calls and yeah, that's how you respond to them, isn't and then it? that's a good little segue because we've talked very positively about your career and what you've done. Of course, you you have been, but you know what what's the what's the biggest cock up? It must have been. <laughs> I love hearing about a cock up. I've made millions. Oh so. my word! There's so many. There yeah. there is so many. What's your that's... favorite? Oh gosh, favorite. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, my yeah, favorite there's, probably. There's so many. You know where presentations haven't gone well, and. You know, frankly, they've been embarrassing in my early career. Some of the, some of them, uh, to not really in my early years understanding the political landscapes of accounts. You know, I think that was a common mistake to make, where you know you you avoid one of the influencers who might not have the big title, and that's cost me dearly. You know, that's that's happened certainly a number of times in my early career, and yeah, the, and I suppose you learn quickly yeah. to not respond to RFPs that you know nothing about. <laughs> no, you know? The old when placebo RFPs, yeah. Absolutely, because you, you 
in those early years, you're striving to have those positive conversations and I used to call it happy years where you, know, you hear that positive engagement, but unless you're deeply engaged in those processes, then, you know, totally. frankly, it's a waste of time. Totally, and it's important that you learn from them. And I, um, I, I've talked before on the podcast around mentor uh, or mentorship um, and it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced on, and my opinion doesn't count, it's just my opinion, in a traditional form. I think mentorship actually is formed from, you know, from a number of different sources over a longer period of time. Uh, previous guests have actually also said the best mentors are the ones you don't even know you're getting as a mentor. Yeah. Um, and you, you only understand in retrospect. Yeah. And some of the great people. Tell me a little bit about your feelings around that and the things that you've picked up and the people that you've worked with that have given you that sort of help sort of shape and mould you into... Yeah, I, I think there's been... So I don't have any particular famous people that I follow as my ideal, you know, kind of person to look up to, but it's been people that have been close in my life. My yeah. gran was a huge influence Brilliant. to me. Huge, you know, she was with me every step of the way with my mum for the first 11 years of my life. Yeah. And she taught me... I suppose the value of working really hard and if you put the effort in you will reap the reward of that she also taught me to never buy things on hp so i still don't have credit cards but that's just a little uh, <laughs> bad i love story. that little thing there but um <laughs> don't buy but, anything yeah, on credit no. but um yeah she had a massive real strong woman but very caring and kind and intelligent oh, she and, sounds fantastic yeah my mum was really gentle and soft so she had more the softer traits and things so they they definitely had huge, huge impacts on my life but then as I went into my kind of career phases you know we talked about the likes of Tony and Charlie those entrepreneurial yeah. you know they're really the trailblazers really in that regard oh, huge huge impact yeah. on you know I, I was passionate about selling and wanted to do a good job for the customer and the importance of, you know, if things, if things are broken, you need to fix them, you need to get involved and turn that into a success. Well, that's how the best relationships are built, you know, on, you know, hard times and kind of, you know, they taught me all of that. So they had a massive impact. Um, and then there's been individuals along the way where, um, you know, I've been, my success isn't just down to me, you know, it's down to generally a team generally there'll be some brilliant technical people as part of that you know in my early years lee field we all Ledge. remember lee who's now very successful in APAC, um, and more recently people like steve faulkner you know mm. very creative big shout out to stevie faulkner big shout yeah. out to steve you know he's a solution out of the box thinker but i think the thing i learned from steve is you know being your authentic self you know, and that's what he is in droves, and people love him for that. And I think that's really yeah. important. Don't try to be anybody else. It's quite hard work. <laughs> love those observations, and that's actually, it, it's the hardest but simplest thing to be yeah. as yourself. Yeah. Um, and being comfortable, um, not hiding, yeah. you know, aspects which you may feel vulnerable. And, um, and I think that's only come for me later in life, actually. I agree. You know, in my twenties, I probably tried to be different aspects of different people. You know, to yeah, chameleon sort of thing, trying to blend yeah. in in certain scenarios. I think it's natural, De though, isn't it? Definitely. 
And then the one person I didn't mention was from my recruitment days, which was a lady called Helen Ackroyd, who was the first successful female that I'd seen. And she did it in a hugely professional and assertive, but without being aggressive manner. And, you know, I learned a lot from Helen that you can be successful, but you don't need to be, you know, aggressive. You can do that in a confident professional manner so I learned a lot from her good, as well good balance of, uh, of influence there yeah your career your inspiration the things that you love doing and I think it comes sort of shining out um and nice to hear as well that you you have made mistakes and little cock-ups along the way but but learn from it um have you got any regrets would you do anything differently in your career would you take in another move if you've done something else I think the only regret I've got, and this goes back to I'm not a risk taker, um, the only slight regret I've got is I never actually ran my own business or went into partnership with somebody to do that. Because I never had that confidence or I never had that appetite for risk to do that. But, but I should have done, I think, it would be my only regret. Doesn't have to be one. Never say never. No, that's true. That that is true. Never say never. Yeah. Never say never. Well, if if that's one thing, then that's a reflection. And yeah. You know. But uh, that that's the only one. You know. Other than that, you know, I've had a great career. I'm still having a great career. You know, I've I've always thought about what would I have done if I'd not gone into cyber, and I, I think I would have been a detective. I think. I, I you'd make a good one. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'd be driving a minibus or something like that. I really enjoy yeah. driving. Yeah. So, like, with, you know, people around, for some reason, anyway. Around social kind of... Social, yeah, exactly. I do enjoy design stuff, but... Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, I know you've got a little passion for development and property as well, which is which is good. So, so look, you know, you know me. My thing that floats my boat is music. Um, you know, we're promoting new artists, new music on the podcast as well, part of the CyberSoul um, theme. Yeah. What What is the music that gets you up for a dance? <laughs> so I think and I've I, seen you dance. So oh they, come it's, on. It's usually maybe after a couple of drinks, but um, it tends to be influenced by my children these days. Wow. So yeah, Gosh. I know. So, it's, it's, <laughs> so I'm finding Dua Lipa and some Calvin Harris stuff is merging into my kind of dance routines. So, yeah, but, yeah. And what would you stick anything. on in the car? What would be the thing that you'd go, right, I'm on a journey. What did you listen to on the way up? Don't, <laughs> this is where you, so you don't this say like, something crap. Yeah, <laughs> this is kind of... I'd listen to the news. How sad is that? I but, think I would do that as well. I love a bit of working man's radio. I love yeah. a bit of talk sport. Yeah. You know where it's you stand. Of, exactly. Oh, mate. Oh, look, Jane, it's been brilliant oh, catching up great. with you today. Really lovely good. to thanks see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. My pleasure. I'm blessed that you've come on. So, hey, look, thanks for your time. I'll right, see you yeah, soon. Yeah, see care. you soon. Bye.